Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, well today we are finishing up our message series, Dying to Live. If you have been joining us all throughout this month, the concept is is that God has given us a design for life, a design of life to live. And we struggle, we move through our life constantly trying to find the way to really live life. But what scripture teaches us is that in order to live true life, we actually have to die to ourselves, die to our own desires, and the way you would think life should be lived in order to truly live. And last week, we talked about how Love is a verb. So we said love is a verb. In order to truly love someone, you have to actually act it out. It's not enough to just say that you love someone. You have to truly be willing to put action to it. And today as we finish up our series, Dying to Live, we want to kind of finish Romans chapter 12 with this this same idea, but build on it a little bit in that it's easy to say that I love someone. And it's certainly easy to show someone that I love them when they're my friend when they're my, my family member that I get along with, when they look like me, when they talk like me, it's easy. But what about when it's hard? What about loving people when it's difficult, when your family member or your, your spouse or maybe your coworker or the person on the street or your neighbor or someone in your community looks different than you? What if they act differently than you do? What if they have different beliefs than you do? What if they're in your same home? What if they're in your class? What if wherever you go, you come across people and you know that I, I, I'm committed to, to living a life of love. I want to love people the way that Jesus did. I mean, everyone in, in this room, most of us, I would venture to say, are in this room today because we, we know that there is more out there. We know that this man, Jesus, lived an, un, an unprecedented and an incredible life. And his, he is known for loving people. But to truly love people the way that Jesus loved people If I'm going to try to live my life the way that Jesus did and love people the way that he did, there's a very big difference between the comfortable life that I live and the life that Jesus lived. And so that's what we're talking about today is is loving when it's hard. And I believe that this really has the power to transform relationships. I believe that if we loved people the way that Jesus really did, if we loved people the way that we wanted to be loved, not being judged by others, not being looked at by the clothes that I wear or the house that I live in or the car that I drive, or if I don't have a car, I want people to look at me and say, you know what, that guy deserves value and deserves love regardless. If I want people to to love me like that, if I could begin to love people in a way that Jesus loved people, I believe it can transform. I believe that we have to get to a place where our faith becomes more than just words that it becomes more than just a place that I go to on Sunday. I believe that our love, our faith has to become tangible and it has to become something that can transform people's lives. You know, oftentimes I hear people say things like, man, I, I don't know, going to church is kind of lame. Why? And I ask them, it's like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like people are really going to church anymore. Or they might say, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I like the idea of who Jesus is. I like the concept of, of loving people, but I just don't see enough of it in the world or I don't see enough of it in the church. And I would say that's the fault of the people who go to church. The people who proclaim and profess to have a relationship with Jesus who's changed their life and yet don't live like him. 
Aaron, our worship leader, before service today, we have a little huddle as a dream team, and, and he was talking about servant leadership and serving people. And he said something that was really great. He said, in, in, in the book of Acts, we actually, there's a passage that says, in Antioch, there was a city called Antioch, and it says, in Antioch, that's when people were first called Christians. Now, the word that we know Christian is, is it, we throw it around. Everybody knows what the word Christian is. But in Antioch, it was the first time anyone had ever been called Christian. And what it actually means is little Christ, little Christ. These guys were running around in the city of Antioch, living their lives in such a way that they served people. They sacrificially lived their life. They gave up what they had for their friends and for people who didn't know them. They served their enemies so much that they were so associated with Jesus that they were called little Jesuses. That's the whole concept. And that's, in my world, I think when we look at our, our, the way, the state of our faith, the state of Christianity, I feel like if you would agree with me that Jesus has changed your life inside, if it has the power to truly revolutionize who you are, I believe that if, if more of us in the church would act like it outside of our walls, in our daily lives, that our churches would be full full and packed full of people. I mean, that's what happened in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, Scripture said that people were added to the numbers daily because they saw, they were so contagious. And that's the beauty of our faith, is that when we live it authentically, and we have relationships deeply with people, even when it's hard, it's so contagious. There's nothing that can compare to it. I want you to know that as your pastor, I care about each one of you. And I'm challenging myself to live like this, to know you. I want to know you personally. I want to hear your story. I want to listen to you. I want to know what it is that makes you tick. I want to know, as your pastor, what, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I pray with you? How can I stand with you? How can I support you? I have a cell phone. I'd love to give you my number. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you as, as not just as a pastor. I mean, that's my role. But I am a, I'm a believer in Jesus. I have to live this. And I want that for you. But not just for me. I want it for each other, for you guys too. I want you to know each other. I want you to build friendships with each other. I want you to, to come to church and not just sit here and, and say hello and shake someone's hand during the minute and a half meet and greet. I want you to, to actually get each other's numbers or email addresses or like each other on Facebook. I want you to go out to lunch after church and hang out with each other. I want you in the middle of the week to, to call each other up and say, hey, you want to go, go get some food? Or maybe you work, you find out you work nearby downtown or something and you go hang out with each other. I want you to support each other. I want you to, to live life together and pray for each other and grow spiritually together. When you're going through something, you can call up a friend and you can say, I'm going through this. Or when you're reading your scriptures during the, during the week and you say, I don't understand this, or this is hard for me, or I'm struggling with this, I'm feeling guilty about this, whatever it might be. I want you to be able to, to turn to me, or I want you to be able to turn to each other and be able to support each other, because that is what true, authentic relationships and love is like. To grow together, to live life together. And as we finish today in, in Romans chapter 12, we realize that it's easy, easier to do that when we like each other. But, it's, but when you spend enough time together, 
when you spend enough time, even with people that you like, you're going to come up with disagreements or people are going to be difficult or different than you. We're going to read from Romans chapter 12 at the end of the chapter. It's verse 15 and 16. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn them on and uh, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 15 and 16. We also have the words, uh, the verses on the screen. It says this, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. I mean, isn't that us? This is us in a nutshell in America. I mean, yes, we are people who are intelligent. We generally try to be nice to people. Most of us would consider ourselves to be nice, friendly We'll, we'll, we'll help people out when we can. We do what we can. But this verse is a challenge to all of us. I mean, it's, it's easier to be happy with those who are happy, but not always. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your friend just got a promotion at work and you're struggling financially? Are you happy for them that they got the promotion? Or are you frustrated because you didn't get yours? I've been there. And, but even if it's like, oh, my friend just had a baby and I'm so thrilled that they had a baby and I'm happy with them and I'm joyful with them, the next one is even harder, is to weep with those who weep. I mean, this is, this is who we are as people. We, we tend to isolate ourselves from others. We don't want to share and be too vulnerable with people. But in that vulnerability is where true life and change takes place. And so today the main idea of our entire message is this, is that true love is authentic and present. So last week we kind of talked about the verb, right? It's, it's the authentic side of it. It's the action, putting meat on the bones of love. And you have notes in your, in your program. If you take it out and you can write this down, I encourage you to fill in the blanks here. True love is authentic and present. And I think this scripture passage talks about the present concept. It is the idea that you have to be there with people to really love someone. I cannot tell them I love them. I cannot even, I have to show them that I love them, but they will know that I truly love them when I'm there, even when they might not expect it, even when they've hurt me, even when it's difficult for me or I have to sacrifice something. And so... How does that look in our lives? And that's really where we're going to spend just the last few minutes of this, this message today. I don't want to harp on it, but it's so critical for us to understand this. I am, not, I am not comfortable, I am not content being a pastor of a church, of, of people who just come to church on a Sunday, and, and the rest of the week, all of us, no one thinks about Encounter Church. And not just you guys. It breaks my heart when I see people down on Butler Street, up on Penn Avenue, or in other parts around our city who are doing things that are destroying their lives and they don't even know our church exists. Or they don't care even if they see our signs. Now they're not going to know unless someone tells them. And some people occasionally will walk in the doors because they see our signs and that's great. I mean, we actually have had plenty of people come into our doors because they've been looking for a church and they've seen our signs. And that's great. They're doing their job. But you know, the best way for people to know about a church 
is when people whose lives have been changed, people whose lives have been transformed, who are passionate about the life that Jesus Christ has to offer them, when he's transformed and changed their life and they think differently, and then you're going out to the restaurant or you're going out to these places and you're hanging out with your friends and you just share it with them. Hey, I love my church. You've got to come check this place out. I'm telling you guys, when we live our lives for Jesus in an authentic and present way, People will want what we have. And so we're going to talk about that real quickly. There's three ways, three things about how to show true love. What does it mean? Showing true love means this. Number one, it's being there through it all. Being there through it all. The very beginning of verse 15 says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. This is as straightforward as it gets. To be with somebody means that we care about them all the time. It means that... Yeah, I want to go to the Pirates game today. I'm really excited to go to this, the Bucko game. But my friend is really going through something hard. And man, you're a big buzzkill on me right now because I want to enjoy the Bucko game. But you're going with me and you're going through something right now. And you know what? Being there through it all, showing true love means if I am there with them, I can still have a good time, sure, but that person needs me. And it might not even be just like you have to give something up. Sometimes a friend calls you up on the phone and they're struggling with something. Or you went out to dinner with them and you weren't expecting to hear this this bomb get dropped of how something's going on in their life or they're complaining or they're whining about something. And yes, guys, I understand whining is annoying. I understand complaining can be annoying. But you've got to get to the heart of it. To the heart of it. Am I so concerned about what I want to do and enjoy myself more than I am willing to listen to the pain that a friend or a loved one might be going through. And let's take it a step further. Maybe it's not a friend. Maybe it's not a coworker. Maybe, maybe it's not a, a, a friend or a, or a family member. Maybe it is a coworker. And maybe it's, maybe it's someone on the bus. Maybe the things that separate us are the things like the book that we read or the music in our, in our headphones. We take ourselves and isolate ourselves so much that we will not allow ourselves to hear what other people are going through. You might miss an opportunity to love someone genuinely. I, I actually happened to me. I was at a, where was I? I was at a store and, and a lady came in and she was trying to pay for something and she was under the impression that it was maybe $10, but the total price actually ended up being 11 I'm standing behind her in line, and I, she actually was turning to walk out because she couldn't pay for it. She only had 10. That's exactly the money she had. She had nothing else. So she was going to give up whatever it was. And I stopped her. I, I didn't want to, I felt, I kind of felt kind of awkward, kind of weird. And I said, excuse me, ma'am, is, do you just need a dollar? If all you need is a dollar, I can give it to you. And, and you, sh- you would have thought that I just bought her a car. Like, she was so thrilled. She said, thank you, thank you so much. I, I can pay you back. I said, don't worry about it. And I, I don't even know what the situation was. But I remember the struggle that I had in that very moment. This sounds silly. This might sound silly to you. You might think, a dollar? But I was sitting in line. And there's a lot of things that kind of come into play here. The first of which is, is I'm eavesdropping on her conversation. Well, how... I'm arguing with myself in the middle of this moment. Should I say something? Should I do something? And I felt this conviction in my heart. And I feel like, I believe it was the Holy Spirit saying, Jared, get past yourself. Get past your, your preconceived notions of what people want. If you just go out of your way to love somebody and do something for someone authentically, presently, it can change a life. 
And I don't know what it did for that lady, but I know that it said something, and I stepped out into it. To love people is to being there through it all. This is true relationship. It can be messy. It can be hard. It can be difficult to love people through it all. It can be difficult when you're around negative people. But we are called to share life with others, to to share in their joys and to share in their sorrows and to carry each other's burdens. And I'll tell you something. It clarifies what's important in life. It really clarifies everything. And this is the purity of life. This is what life is really all about, is, is getting intimate with people in a place where they are human beings. And it, it might be easy for us to do it with my best friend or my sister or my brother or my mom or my dad, but to truly love people. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with cripples. Jesus was known for hanging out and spending time and genuinely caring and loving people. He would touch them. He was known for touching the leper. These were people who were outcasts. These were people who had to go to other parts of the city and be away from everyone. But Jesus spent time with them. He went through it with them, lived life with them. So the first is to be there through it all. And the second is going out of your way. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with everybody, with each other. I think the easiest way to maybe sum this up is this. Wishing the same good to others as you would wish for yourself. This is all about value. Value. This is about caring about people enough that you're willing to go out of your way to push yourself aside for other people. To live in harmony with people doesn't mean everyone is sitting around the campfire singing kumbaya. What it means is, is, that, is that I agree with you that we are both valuable individuals. It means that if there are disagreements, we're going to work through them. We're not going to just walk you know, and, and let it destroy our relationship. It means unity. And there are arguments that are going to come up. There are going to be arguments. Let me tell you this. I want you to hear me something. It is okay to have good, healthy, positive discussion to get to the truth. It's okay to not agree with each other. It's okay when you have a relationship with someone in church or a friend or a family member to not agree all the time. It's okay. But you have to have a positive conversation, a healthy dialogue. It is not okay to have argumentative spirit to be thriving on disunity. It is not okay to have discord or conflict or division. We need to be together. And I'm speaking specifically to us in this room right now. It's hard to have unity with someone who doesn't believe what you believe, but most of us in this room believe in the same thing, is that we are all followers of Jesus, trying to understand who he is and how we should live our lives and moving after that. And the person that you're sitting next to, you could have an argument with them on lunch today. You'd have a disagreement about something. There may be someone in this room right now who maybe believes something different than I do about a particular issue in the faith. And what I would say to that is, is I'm not going to outcast that person. I'm not going to push that person away. What I'm going to do is include them. I'm going to bring them into my family. I'm going to sit down and let's talk about this. Let's figure out what the problem is. Let's discuss it. And let's find a way to live life together in harmony and in love. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. We have to, not only do we need to need to be there with people through life, 
we also need to go out of our way. And I think part of that is by being teachable, is being willing to say, I don't know if I know everything. It's one thing to hold to your convictions. It's another thing to hold to them in, in humility, is to, to say, I don't know if I've got it all figured out. I don't have a direct line with all the answers, you know, in an encyclopedia to God. I can't just call God up and say, what's the definitive answer on this thing? But I'm humble enough to say, I don't know if I've got it, but I know that I love you. And I encourage us all to do the same thing, to go out of your way to live peaceably with each other. And the last is this, and this is probably the hardest and maybe even the most important, is to not draw lines. Showing true love means not drawing lines. Verse 16, the end of it said, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. I said this earlier. We often associate with people who are most like us, people who are most comfortable with. We want to be around people who look like us, act like us, think the same way as us, and that's only natural and it's okay. But I don't want to be a church. And I don't believe that Jesus died on a cross so that the churches could only have people who are like each other in it. We should reflect what our community looks like. Lawrenceville is an incredible community of, of young adults and, and, and people who've lived here all their lives. There are young professionals. There are families who are here. There are people who are very low income. There are single moms. There are single dads. There are drug lords. There are gang members. There are Christians, there are Buddhists, there are all sorts of people from all different walks of life. And I want to see all the different people who are, who are represented from our community, and not just Lawrenceville, Bloomfield, Shadyside, Stanton Heights, Highland Park, Morningside, Friendship. There are so many parts of this city that are nearby. I want us to look like that. I want to look like a church that has white people, that has black people, that has Hispanic people, Asian people. I want to have a church that's full of people who are, who are rich, people who are poor. I want to have people who are single moms. I want to have full-functioning families. And when we find the hope that Jesus offers each of us, we become one family and we support each other. And who knows? Maybe, maybe the dad who, who is now making that a single family home, maybe that dad somehow finds hope and finds love and goes back to his family, and now they become a family unit. Maybe, maybe someone who has had racial oppression in their life finds hope and finds life in this church, and they come to a place now where they found love, true love, of what Jesus has to offer, how he doesn't look at lines. Jesus doesn't draw lines in the sand. Jesus erases lines in the sand. And we have people who say, you know what, I have never been loved by a white person ever in my life. And I came to this church and found it differently, and this is my home. And it could be anything. Maybe there are white individuals in this, in this place, and this is not just about race, it's about anything, but maybe there are people here who have raci racist issues against other colored individuals, other people of other different races and different ethnicities. And they come and they see and they live alongside of them and they have relationships with those people. And they find that their assumptions, their preconceived notions are wrong. And we can all find a way to live together and see that God created life for us to live in harmony and love with each other and, and give, be able to give truth and hope and life and transformation to each other. We find that in these relationships, but that cannot happen if we are dividing lines between each other. If I look down on someone, look down my nose at an individual who walks in here who looks different than me, 
We fear the unknown. We make assumptions about people that we don't know or people who maybe we think they look different than us or that they believe different than us. But Jesus would out of his way to always draw across the lines. He always erased those marks in the sand. Everywhere we look, everywhere we look, it's our natural tendencies. We draw lines, we build bridges, we put fences around ourselves to protect what we know. But it causes divisions. And Jesus Jesus was saying in Romans 12, through Paul, who wrote the book, he said, do not look down on, or, on ordinary people. Another word is, it, another translation kind of says it this way. It says, mind not the high things. So it's like, don't always be looking at the high and the lofty and the, the, the fashion and the, the things that are trendy and cool. He said, but associate and accommodate ourselves with lowly things or men of low estate. Mind not the high things, but accommodate and associate ourselves to the things that are lowly and lowly people. I mean, that goes against everything that, that Americans naturally gravitate towards. But that's the beauty of it, is that Jesus flips everything on his head. He doesn't say, he's not pointing the finger and saying, because you have a good job, that you're not, that you're like, Somehow you should quit your job. What he is saying is that you should not overlook them and not want to associate yourself with them. And it actually says to accommodate. It's like to, to include them. Jesus did this exact thing. He showed us as he washed his disciples' feet to show the way. Jesus stooped down. He took off his garment and washed the feet, the dirty, disgusting, stinky feet of the men who followed him around to show the perfect example of what a servant should be like. I mean, I'm telling you guys, back in the day, this is what a slave did. This is what a servant did. They didn't have nice paved roads unless you were in Rome itself. They had dirty roads where horses would come down and there was dust and there was all sorts of animal matter all over the roads. And so people would walk in to their homes with their sandals all dirty and grimy. And, and the only thing I could think most of us would, would understand is when you walk off the beach in your flip-flops and you've got sand on your feet. That's what it's like, okay? And you would walk into your friend's house or someone's house and their servant, the first thing they would do, you'd sit down, they would take your sandals off and they would wash your feet with their hands. And that is what Jesus did. He said, do not overlook people, but instead serve them. Our job is to build bridges to people, to learn from each other. The people that I don't understand the people that I fear, the people that look different than me, the people who make me the most uncomfortable, I could probably learn a lot about life from them. And I'm just going to be honest with you as a pastor. This is challenging for me. God has been challenging me with this this week and over the last few weeks. There are people who call our church who are not the people that I necessarily thought would be the ones that when we started the church that we were shooting to reach but I have to challenge myself and be convicted by the Holy Spirit and allow God to speak to me to say, did you build your church for a specific person or did you build this church so that all men could come to know Jesus and have that hope? And I challenge myself and I challenge you that the people who need Jesus don't always look like they have a good job. 
The people who need Jesus sometimes the most are the ones who you overlook on the bus, the one who annoys you, the one who is driving you crazy talking on their cell phone on the bus. It could be the, the coworker who, who's driving you mad because they're constantly talking about partying all night and all weekend and they're complaining about how their life is in shambles. It could be anybody, but if we look down on them because we think that we have a better life than them, that we've got to figure it out more than them, or whatever it might be, we are going against what Scripture teaches, and we are not being like Jesus. We are being the opposite of Jesus. And then we cannot blame anyone but ourselves if we don't feel like our faith is authentic, if our faith is not real, if we feel like our churches are not filled with people. It's our fault if we don't open ourselves up and live like Jesus truly lived. And as I was reading this week, I found this amazing quote, and I loved it. It was from the Matthew Henry Commentary. Listen to this. It says, True love values grace in rags as well as in scarlet. A jewel is a jewel, though it lie in the dirt. It doesn't matter if we all have incredible value because God created us, all of us, every one of us, whether we're a terrorist in Afghanistan, whether we are a single mom in Lawrenceville, it doesn't matter. We are all incredibly valuable to God. It's a jewel, and it doesn't matter where that jewel is found. It is precious when you find it. My desire is to know each of you personally. That's a challenge that I've given myself is to, is to know you, is to try to go outside of my, my world, my nine-to-five job, and get to know each of you and to, to try to share life with you and to build a connection and a relationship with you. It's to love you in a real way. As I said before, I believe that's really where true life takes place. True life change takes place in, in those relationships And loving people authentically, you and me, loving people authentically where they are at is the important piece, has the power to change a life. We have to be present. We have to be willing to go through things with people. We have to be willing to go out of our way to live life with people. We have to be willing to not draw lines with people. And when we do that, we are being authentic. We are being true. We are showing love. And it has the power to change life. It will change you. It will change me. It can change our neighborhood. It can change our city. It can change our world. And so my challenge to you is this. Make it personal. Make it personal. What is it that you need to do differently? What is it that Maybe there's someone. Maybe it's not what. Maybe it's who. Maybe who, who is someone that you could love differently? Who is someone that, that you're being challenged? While I was talking today, maybe in the series of comments or things that I've been saying today, a face came to your mind. Make it personal with that individual. It doesn't have to be someone that annoys you. You could start with someone that you, that you care about, someone who is a friend of yours, but maybe going on a deeper level with them. This is what this entire series has been about. It's dying to live. It is putting to death the things that ultimately will destroy us so that we can truly live, and that is to give life to, to ourselves and to others and to our communities through Jesus. And I found another great quote as I was reading, and we're going to close with this. 
It says a climate of love is absolutely basic to the church of Jesus Christ. A climate of love. Without such caring and reaching out to touch one another's lives, the church will fall tragically short of God's intended experience of his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In the very first week, in verse 2 of Romans, Romans chapter 12, it says to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And it says, when you do this, you will then know God's perfect and pleasing and perfect will. So we circle it all the way back. To love people authentically does mean sacrificing our desires sometimes. It's a lot easier for me to let that person wallow in their own pain than for me to join them in it. But when I do it, when I, when I stoop to the level that, that Jesus stooped to, to serve another and to love them authentically, when I do that, I am living out God's perfect, his pleasing will for my life. And you and me could be the answer to people's prayers if we would just open ourselves up to be more than we are on a daily basis. If we could just say, God, use me in however you want me to. Help me to be authentic and to love people truly. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.